Chapter Two, Part One of Damien by Herman Hess. This LibriVox recording is in the public domain. Read by Michelle Fry, Baton Rouge, Louisiana. Chapter Two, Cain, Part One. Deliverance from my troubles came from quite an unexpected quarter, and with it something new entered into my life, which has up to the present day exercised a strong influence. A short time before, we had had a new boy at our Latin school. He was the son of a well-to-do widow who had moved to our town. He was in mourning and wore a crepe band round his sleeve. His form was above mine, and he was several years older, but I soon began to take notice of him, as did all of us. This remarkable boy impressed one as being much older than he looked. He made on no one the impression of being a mere schoolboy with us childish youngsters he was as distant and as mature as a man or rather as a gentleman he was by no means popular he took no part in games much less in the fooling it was only the self-conscious and decided tone which he adopted towards the masters that pleased the others his name was max damien one day it happened, as it occasionally did in our school, that for some cause or other another class was sent into our large schoolroom. It was Damien's form. We little ones were having biblical history. The big ones had to write an essay. While we were having the story of Cain and Abel knocked into us, I kept looking across at Damien, whose face fascinated me strangely, and saw his wise, bright, more than ordinarily strong features bent attentively and thoughtfully over his task he did not look at all like a schoolboy doing an exercise but like a research worker solving a problem i did not find him really agreeable on the contrary i had one or two little things against him with me he was too distant and superior he was much too provokingly sure of himself and the expression of his eyes was that of an adult which children never like, rather sad, with occasional flashes of scorn. Yet I could not resist looking at him, whether I liked him or not. But the minute he looked in my direction, I looked away, somewhat frightened. If today I consider what he looked like as a schoolboy, I can say that he was in every respect different from the others, and bore the stamp of a striking personality, and therefore attracted attention but at the same time he did everything to prevent himself from being remarked he bore and conducted himself like a disguised prince who finds himself among peasant boys and makes every effort to appear like them he was behind me on the way home from school when the others had run on he overtook me and said hello even his manner of greeting although he imitated our schoolboy tone of voice was polite and like that of a grown-up person "'Shall we go a little way together?' he questioned in a friendly way. I was flattered and nodded. Then I described to him where I lived. "'Oh, there,' he said laughingly, "'I know the house already. There is a remarkable work of art over your door, which interested me at once.' I did not guess immediately to what he was referring, and was astonished that he seemed to know our house better than I did. There was indeed a sort of crest, which served as a keystone over the arch of the door, but in course of time it had become faint, and had often been painted over. 
as far as i knew it had nothing to do with us or with our family i don't know anything about it i said timidly it's a bird or something like it it must be very old they say that the house at one time belonged to the abbey very likely he nodded we'll have another good look at it such things are often interesting it is a hawk i think we continued our way i was considerably embarrassed suddenly damien laughed as if something funny had struck him oh i was present at your lesson he said with animation the story of cain who carried the mark on his forehead was it not do you like it generally i used not to like anything of all the things we had to learn but i did not dare to say so it was as though a grown-up person were talking to me i said i liked the story very much damien tapped me on the shoulder no need to pretend with me old fellow but the story is really rather remarkable i think it is much more remarkable than most of the others we get at school the master didn't say very much about it only the usual things about god and sin etc but i believe he broke off smiled and questioned mm. but does it interest you well he continued i think one can conceive this story of cain quite differently most things we are taught are certainly quite true and right but one can consider them all from a different standpoint from the masters and most of them have a much better meaning then for instance we can't be quite content with the explanation given us with regard to this fellow cain and the mark on his forehead don't you find it so too it certainly might happen that he should kill one of his brothers in a quarrel it is also possible that he should afterwards be afraid and have to come down a peg but that he should be singled out into the bargain with a decoration for his cowardice which protects him and strikes terror into everyone else that is really rather odd certainly i said interested the case began to interest me but how else should one explain the story he clapped me on the shoulder quite simply the essential fact and the point of departure of the story was the sign here was a man who had something in his face which terrified other people they did not dare to molest him he made a big impression on them he and his children perhaps or rather certainly it was not really a sign on his forehead like an office stamp things are not as simple as that in real life i would sooner think it was something scarcely perceptible of a peculiar nature a little more intelligence and boldness in his look than people were accustomed to this man had power other people shrank from him he had a sign one could explain that as one wished and one always wishes what is convenient and agrees with one's opinions people were afraid of cain's children they had a sign and so they explained the sign not as it really was a distinction but as the contrary the fellows with this sign were said to be peculiar and they were courageous as well people with courage and character are always called peculiar by other people that a race of fearless and peculiar men should rove about was very embarrassing and so people attached a surname and a story to this race in order to revenge themselves on it in order to compensate themselves more or less for all the terror with which it had inspired them 
do you understand yes that means to say then that cain was not at all wicked and the whole story in the bible isn't really true mm. yes and no such ancient primitive stories are always true but they have not always been recorded and explained in the proper manner in short i mean that cain was a thundering good fellow and this story got attached to his name simply because people were afraid of him the story was merely a report something people might have set going in a gossiping way and it was true in so far as cain and his children did actually wear a sort of sign and were different from most people i was much astonished and do you believe then that the affair of the murder is absolutely untrue i asked much impressed not at all it is certainly true the strong man killed a weak one one may doubt of course whether it was really his brother or not it's not important for in the end all men are brothers a strong man then has killed a weak one perhaps it was a deed of heroism perhaps it was not but in any case the other weak people were terrified they lamented and complained and when they were asked why don't you simply kill him as well they did not answer because we are cowards but they said instead you can't he has a sign god has singled him out the humbug must have arisen something after this style oh i'm keeping you from going in good-bye then he turned into old street and left me alone more astonished than i had ever been before scarcely had he gone when everything that he had said seemed to me quite unbelievable cain a noble fellow abel a coward cain's sign a distinction it was absurd it was blasphemous and infamous what was god's part in the matter had he not accepted abel's sacrifice did he not love abel damien's story was nonsense i suspected him of making fun of me and of wishing to mislead me the devil of a clever fellow and he could talk but well still i had never thought so much about any of the biblical or other stories before and for some time past i had never so completely forgotten frank cromer for hours for a whole evening at home i read through the story once again as it stands in the bible short and clear it was quite foolish to try to find a special secret meaning if it had one every murderer could look upon himself as a favorite of god no it was nonsense but damien had a nice way of saying such things so easily and pleasantly as if everything were self-evident and then his eyes my ideas were certainly a little upset or rather they were very much confused i had lived in a bright clean world i myself had been a sort of able and now i was so firmly fixed in the other and had sunk so deeply but really what could i do to help it what was my position now a reminiscence glowed in me which for the moment almost took away my breath i remembered that wretched evening from which my present misery dated when i looked for an instant into the heart of my father's bright world and despised his wisdom then i was cain and wore the sign i imagined that it was in no way shameful but a distinction and in my wickedness and unhappiness i stood on a higher level than my father higher than good and pious people 
it was not in such a clear-thinking way that my experience then presented itself to me but all this was contained therein it was only a flaming up of feeling of strange emotions which caused me pain and yet filled me with pride when i considered the matter i saw how strangely damien had spoken of the fearless and the cowards how curiously he had explained the mark on cain's forehead how singularly his eyes had lit up those peculiar eyes of a grown person and indistinctly it shot through my brain is not he himself this damien a sort of cain why did he defend him if he did not feel like him why had he this force in his gaze why did he speak so scornfully of the others of the fearsome who are really the pious and the well-considered of god this thought led me to no definite conclusion a stone had fallen into the well and the well was my young soul and this business with cain the murderer and the sign was for a long a very long time the point from which my seekings after knowledge my doubts and my criticisms took their departure i noticed that the other boys also occupied themselves a good deal with damien i had not told any one of his version of the story of cain but he appeared to interest the others as well at least many rumors concerning the new boy became current if only i still knew all of them each would help to throw fresh light on him each would serve to interpret him i only remember the first rumor was that damien's mother was very rich it was also said that she never went to church nor the son either another rumor had it that they were jews but they could just as easily have been in secret mohammedans furthermore tales were told of max damien's strength so much was certain that the strongest boy in his form who challenged him to a fight and who at his refusal branded him a coward suffered a terrible humiliation at his hands those who were there said that damien had simply taken him by the nape of the neck with one hand and had brought such a pressure to bear that the boy went white and afterwards crawled away and that for several days he was unable to use his arm for a whole evening a rumor even ran that he was dead for a time everything was asserted and believed everything that was exciting and wonderful then there was a satiety of rumors for a while a little later new ones circulated which asserted that damien had intimate relations with girls and knew everything meanwhile my affair with frank cromer took its inevitable course i could not get away from him for although he left me in peace for days together i was still bound to him in my dreams he lived as my shadow and thus my fantasy credited him with actions which he did not in reality do so that in dreams i was absolutely his slave i lived in these dreams i was always a deep dreamer more than in reality these shadowy conceptions wasted my strength and my life force i often dreamed among other things that cromer ill-treated me that he spat on me and knelt on me and what was worse that he led me to commit grave crimes or rather i was not led but simply forced through his powerful influence the most terrible of these dreams from which i woke up half mad presented itself as a murderous attack on my father cromer whetted a knife and put it in my hand as we were standing behind the trees of a lane and lying in wait for someone 
whom i knew not but when some one came along and cromer through a pressure of the arm informed me that this was the man whom i was to stab it turned out to be my father then i woke up with all these troubles i still thought a great deal about cain and abel but much less about damien it was strangely enough in a dream that he first came in contact with me again i dreamed once more of assault and ill-treatment which i suffered but instead of cromer this time it was damien who knelt upon me and what was quite new and profoundly impressive everything that i suffered resistingly and in torment at the hands of cromer i suffered willingly from damien with a feeling which was composed as much of joy as of fear i had this dream twice then cromer occupied his old position in my thoughts for a long time i have not been able to separate what i experienced in these dreams from what i underwent in reality but in any case my evil relation with cromer took its course and was by no means at an end when i had at last by petty thefts paid the boy the sum owed no for now he knew of these thefts as he always asked me where the money came from and i was more in his hands than ever he frequently threatened to tell my father everything and my terror then was scarcely as great as the profound regret that i had not myself done that in the beginning however miserable as i was i did not repent of everything at least not always and sometimes felt i thought that things could not have helped being as they were the hand of fate was upon me and it was useless to want to break away i conjecture that my parents suffered not a little in these circumstances a strange spirit had come over me i no longer fitted into our community which had been so intimate and for which i often felt a maddening homesickness as for a lost paradise i was treated particularly by my mother more like a sick person than like a miserable wretch but the actual state of affairs i was able to observe best in the conduct of my two sisters it was quite evident from their behaviour which was very considerate and which yet caused me endless pain that i was a sort of person possessed who was more to be pitied than blamed for his condition but yet in whom evil had taken up residence i felt that i was being prayed for in a different way from formerly and realized the fruitlessness of these prayers i often felt burning within me an intense longing for relief an ardent desire for a full confession and yet i realized in advance that i should not be able to tell everything to father and mother properly in explanation of my conduct i knew that i should be received in a friendly way that much consideration and compassion would be shown me but that i should not be completely understood the whole affair would have been looked upon as a sort of backsliding whereas it was really the work of destiny i know that many people will not believe that a child scarcely eleven years old could feel thus but i am not relating my affairs for their benefit my narration is for those who know mankind better the grown-up person who has learned to convert part of his feelings into thoughts feels the absence of these ideas in a child and comes to believe that the experiences are likewise lacking but they have seldom been so vivid and not often in my life have i suffered as keenly as then 
one rainy day i was ordered by my tormentor to castle place and there i stood wading and digging my feet in the wet chestnut leaves which were still falling regularly from the black dripping branches money i had none but i had brought with me two pieces of cake that i had stolen in order to at least be able to give cromer something i had long since been accustomed to stand about in any odd corner waiting for him often for a very long time and i put up with the unalterable cromer came at last that day he did not stay long he poked me several times in the ribs laughed took the cake and even offered me a mouldy cigarette which however i did not accept he was more friendly than usual oh he said as he went away before i forget next time you can bring your sister along the elder one what's her name now tell the truth i did not understand and gave no answer i only looked at him wonderingly don't you get me you must bring your sister along but cromer that won't do i mustn't do that and besides she wouldn't come i thought this was only another pretext for vexing me he often did that requiring me to do something impossible and so terrifying me and often after humiliating me he would by degrees become more tractable i then had to buy myself off with money or with some other gift this time he was quite different he was really not at all angry at my refusal well he said airily you'll think about it won't you i should like to make your sister's acquaintance it will not be so difficult you simply take her out for a walk and then i come along to-morrow i'll whistle for you and then we can talk more about it when he had gone a glimpse of the meaning of his request dawned on me i was still quite a child but i knew by hearsay that boys and girls when they were somewhat older did things which were forbidden things of a secret and scandalous nature and now i should also have to it was suddenly quite clear to me how monstrous it was i immediately resolved never to do that but i scarcely dared think of what would happen in that case and how cromer would revenge himself on me a new torment began i had not yet been tortured enough end of chapter two part one cain